Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 126, Fast and Furious 6, lap 7. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by Burberry, Fall Winter 20, The Memories Runway Collection. Tishi's collection was inspired by the memories he's accumulated from his travels between London and India, as well as everyone he has met along the way. He said, The memory of this special informative time in my life is what has influenced this collection from the place it is he's visited and the people that surrounded him to the music that inspired him. Shout out Burberry Fall Winter 20 Runway Collection. Shout out Burberry and shout out to Nico and Keva who will be joining us after the break to talk about Fast and Furious 6. But Joe, extracurricular activities. Since the last time we recorded, Joe, what have you been up to extracurricular activities? We watched the final chapter okay. of Resident Evil. We're going to have an email about that in a little bit, but go ahead. And it was pretty cool. They had a You're Fired line, a la RoboCop, okay. which is something we might see again soon. Just watching Trash TV, watching Thursday Night Football, getting ready for tomorrow, because I'm excited that it'll be like the first, like, Sunday we'll get Red Zone and stuff like that. So nothing super crazy, but that's what I've been up to. Did you watch Thursday Night's game? Kind of. I edited part of the podcast during it. I don't really care. Like, I know it's a good game. I know it's two good teams, but I'm not... I don't know that I care about football anymore. I care about the Vikings, but I don't know if I care about the NFL. I don't... I just... I don't know. I feel like my whole... And not because of, like, COVID or anything this year. I just feel like the last few years, I've transitioned from being, like, a football fan to just being a Vikings fan, and I kind of don't care yeah. about other games. And I just... I still watch them. Like, I had it on, but I was doing other stuff during it, and I... Turned out to be a kind of a route, right? Like, I mean... Texans came back yeah, at the, the end. Yeah, the score at the end was yeah. closer than it was. So. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I watched it, but I, was, I didn't really, I, I wasn't invested in it. Like, I like Red Zone, but that's only because it's, like, so stimulating. Like, otherwise, I just watch the Steelers games. Like, that's pretty much all I care about anyways, too. Like, people are like, did you watch this other stupid game? And I'm like, hmm, maybe. Like, I will if it's the only thing on and I'm home and stuff. I'm trying to think what else I did in the last two days, because we recorded Wednesday night, and then Thursday, Friday... I don't think I've done a ton. I mean, the Yankees got postponed on Thursday, so they played a doubleheader yesterday on 9-11. They won both games. They won both games big. Fantasy baseball is very stressful, and uh, yesterday was not a great day. We will talk about it, I guess, next intro, because I'll know for sure definitively one way or the other. It's only been two days, and that's, I guess, the, the new wrinkle of this. But, Joe, we have a Patreon page here on the show, Too Fast. TwoForever.com, shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenin, Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, and Dan the Duke Hayden for supporting us at $5 level or above. Thank you all so very thank much. You, thank you, thank you. I've been posting, you know, the intro or the movie conversation with Fast and Furious 6 is up now, which people will know. I mean, by the time this comes out, this whole episode is out, but you get it early. Uh, so yeah. just as a reminder to everybody, if you want to get stuff a little bit earlier, not that there's not that I don't think anybody is so far ahead on our stuff that they're eager for more. stuff. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe you get early, you get perks. I mean, it's there and you get the access to the Fast and Furious minute document, which we are not doing this episode, as well oh, as true. the uh, quiz and all sorts of fun stuff at too fast to forever dot com. We also have an email address family at cageclub.me and Joe. We have one email the aforementioned email about Resident Evil from Dan Hayden. Subject line R E and D and B's. D and B's. Dave and Buster's, okay. I'm assuming. Okay. Hey guys, I hope you're both well. I really enjoyed hearing you talk about Resident Evil. It's one of my favorite game franchises. He says I think I've played and finished all of them. And even though the movies aren't the best quality cinema, I love them and have been rewatching them when they're on TV. When Joe gets through watching the whole thing, I like to know how he ranks them. So, question Ooh. to you now: Can you rank the six? chapters i so i wasn't prepared for this should i do like an official one and come back next time or no, should i, mean, I do just, one now just, just ballpark just it off the top yeah. off the cuff first one's pretty good i think the second one is probably like my least favorite three is the is the one that's like mad max so that one's kind of fun i like that one that one's pretty high up there four i don't remember maybe that's the one with that's the ship one i guess and then, five, yeah, four is the ship one because five starts on the ship, and then we get Letty back. So four four was, like, 
good, but it kind of felt like a like Walking Dead episode, like in the beginning when they're like on a roof and they're just like trying to go get stuff. Five I liked because Letty was back. That was fun. And you get all the clones. And six I really, really liked actually. Like the whole like coming together. Did you see six? Did you see the final chapter? I've only seen, I haven't seen four or six, I guess. So no. And I've only seen two once and I've only seen three twice, I guess. I mean, I don't really like, I don't have a particular fondness for the franchise and I've done for the game. So if I ever, I don't know that I would ever watch two through six one you know what i mean like i just kind of like yeah. the first one yeah no six is good though six kind of like ties the whole story back together and it does another one of those and they're breezy dude we talked about this like th- like six is like an hour 40 but it has like a 10 minute like this is what happened in the past five of them so if you had to pick your one favorite and your one least favorite i think one just because of where it like is you know like the one's always like the cool one least favorite i think might be two i love really like three and i really like six and, like, five was good because Letty was in it. And four was, like, very immemorable to me. Okay. So, yeah. Fair that was enough. That was my thoughts. That's good. I hope that works for you, Dan. He says, I never thought about the renamed Resident Evil as it relates to the mansion in the first game. Game titles in Japan are Biohazard. When the team went about mm-hmm. releasing the game in the U.S., they determined securing the rights to the name would be difficult because of the band Biohazard and another game also called Biohazard. I don't remember for the life mm-hmm. of me why Resident Evil was picked, but I think it's a way cooler name. It is a cool name. It's definitely a cool name. These original games that the movies are based on are still some of my favorites, and they even did some of those speedruns of Nemesis back in the day. They're great mm. games and all their awful dialogue and tank control glory. I'll never get Barry in the first game out of my head saying, you were almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> if you guys ever want to take a dive of the more recent games, I highly recommend the remaster of the original and the remakes of RE2 and Nemesis. Or if you're looking to play a bit more of a horror experience, check out 7. If you have the equipment to do so, play it in VR, which I have that. I think I bought Biohazard on PS4 because I have the PSVR, so maybe I'll do that. Is he talking about Biohazard or Resident Evil, I think? Resident Evil 7 is called Biohazard. Oh, fuck. Well, that makes sense. There you go. You guys briefly talked about Dave and Buster's in the Palisades Mall, brought back some good pre-COVID memories as well as childhood ones. It's actually one of the first places I hung out with my wife before we started dating. I remember going with her and a few friends. She very casually bought me a beer, and I thought to myself, wow, that's cool. This girl got me a drink. Maybe she likes me. I should take her on a date. We also had our first picture taken together in one of those old photo booths. Oh, that's so cool. I like it. Anyway, back to daddy daycare. The baby isn't going to feed herself. She's having sweet potato, and I'm having a tuna sandwich with crust. Keep the great content coming, and I'll be listening, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. I'm well. I, I'm a big fan of sweet potatoes as well. Tuna sandwiches, not so much, but maybe I've never had Mia's. Well, I mean, I think they're not good, right? They joke about it. Like they, they joke that Mia's uh, Mia's tunas are terrible. They're terrible sandwiches. He's just going there for her, right? So yeah, I don't know. But he could have ordered a different sandwich, right? Yeah, I don't get that part. I guess it's just the memorable. Like, uh, here's the guy always getting a tuna sandwich because it feels like a weird long con. I want to know all about that. <laughs> Same, I do too. Like he like shows up and he's like he had one shitty tuna sandwich. He's like, oh, but I gotta keep ordering this so she remembers who I am. Like she wouldn't remember Paul Walker's piercing blue eyes. Like or just talk to her like a normal human being. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, he could have asked her anything. That's the only email that we have. Family at cageclub.me. If you want to write in a note, uh, just send us a note. Please, Joe. On the streets, there is one big piece of news that we need to dive into. We had heard rumors a couple of weeks ago that Ludacris oh, accidentally confirmed that Fast 9 was going to space. But then this weekend, news broke, or this week, news broke. Somebody asked Michelle Rodriguez, basically, hey, so we hear Fast 9's going to outer space. She's like, oh, you guys aren't supposed to know that. And it's like, oh, come on. Like, what? That's <laughs> rookie move. I know. When we, when we read the story, I was like... I'm so glad Michelle's not a real criminal in real life because she would have given up her friends so easy. This mm-hmm. is like the easiest cop trick that happens in every Law and Order, every type of cop show. They're like, hey, like, yeah, you definitely murdered that guy, right? And they're like, how did you know? And it's like, no, dude, she, they didn't know. You just blabbed, you dummy. Like, So now that we know the movie is going to outer space, what do we hope? I mean, again, we don't know, no, but it seems like there was speculation, there were rumor, there was all this different whatever, and then Ludacris said it, and then Michelle Rodriguez said it, and so now it feels, if not 100%, but, like, it feels pretty strong. Yeah, she says, like, oh, but I, I'm not cool enough to go to space, like, only Tej does. I think he's gonna have to just, like, break 
the atmosphere. I think that's going to be the thing. Like, it's going to be like a plane that needs to, like, fly above the atmosphere to not get caught by God's eye or something. We talk about later this episode about Han and about how they kind of, Nico and Kevo kind of know some stuff about how Han might return or whatever. But we talk about, and you'll hear, about what the trailer for F9 is not showing. And one of those things, I guess, could be space. I feel like you're probably right. Like, at some point... It's like the Halo jump in Mission Impossible or the cars yeah. out of the plane in 7 where it's you're kind of reaching space, but it's not space the way that you think of space. It's like, yeah, you're just out of the atmosphere. It's the high altitude, but like really high altitude. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because I can't imagine that like Tej goes to like the space station, puts on like an astronaut suit and like fights an astronaut, right? Wait, because like, we were that's what we were saying that like, you know, I think Wes has written in before and we've had this conversation that. He doesn't want them to go to space, but there's a difference between going to space and setting a movie in outer space or setting an action sequence in outer space. They can go to space for a reason. One character like Tej, I mean, I think we were saying in the past Dom, but if Tej goes to outer space, whatever, like, you know, he's the one good with circuits. There's a difference in my mind between one and the other. And even if you're not in favor of outer space, Fast and Furious, I think if there's an element of the story that is grounded on Earth, goes to outer space, I think it's a different thing than, like, oh, all of a sudden they're fighting aliens in the sky. I got I got an idea, and I think I know what it's going to be. Okay. That because we've been using God's Eye yep. to, like, spy on people and spy on things, I think that Tej is going to have to, like, hack a satellite, but he can only do it by, like, proximity, and he's going to have to, like, get up close to a satellite to hack it. To, like, fuck with God's eye. Interesting. Okay. Get what I'm saying? Because yeah. she's like, I'm not cool enough to go to space. That'll get them to space. Also, by the way, them- Letty is totally cool enough to go to outer space. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, yeah. What is she saying that, like, her character is not cool enough to go to space? Maybe like, she's, like, maybe that's her way of, like, backpedaling. Like, oh, no, it's just him. Not, you know what I mean? Like, maybe. I don't know. What if Fast 9 does come out and it's just, like, it's, like, <laughs> John Cena starts and they get that, like, that, like, slingshot thing we've seen from the trailer and they just... Just like slingshots Dom straight into space, and the rest of the movies in space. So the like, there's four minutes spent on Earth, and the four minutes that we saw in the trailer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like Dom starts on the farm, and then like all of a sudden they're like, oh shit, there's aliens. <laughs> like that's like the part that we didn't see in the trailer, and then they just go like they wrap that <laughs> rappel hook and just shoot off the mountain into the atmosphere. <laughs> He's like, I just need to go fast enough, and I'll break through the atmosphere. <laughs> So here's my thing. This is, uh, I don't think I've said this on here. I was saying this recently because uh, since we last recorded, Wonder Woman was officially delayed. There's some up in the air yeah. debate whether it got delayed to Christmas or just sometime later in the year. I think it was supposed to come out like October 2nd, like I think in like two and a half, three weeks, but they have officially bumped it to Christmas-ish, which probably moves Dune to next year. Sony has come out and said that they're not going to release more movies until more theaters are open, which I don't know exactly what that means. But here, I had a thought, and I'm surprised that no one is talking about this, at least not that I've seen, and I kind of read a lot of stuff in these areas. There is a real opportunity, I think, for some movie to make a huge splash on Thanksgiving weekend, on VOD. The same way that Disney was like, hey, 4th of July, everyone's home, here's Hamilton. I feel like it's going to be a thing where people are... A, not going out. B, probably not doing Black Friday shopping because that's actually kind Chaos. of a reprieve, I guess, for retail workers, right? Maybe? It's a totally different Black Friday off. experience. People are going to be home. There probably will be, for better or worse, more family gatherings uh, yep. where people who otherwise haven't really bubbled together. Like, you know, I still haven't really spent a ton of time with my family inside just because I'm still insanely paranoid that I'm going to get them sick. But, like, as the weather gets colder... And for, like, Thanksgiving and for Christmas, like, we can't do, like, this outside thing we've been doing. So either I don't see them or I suck it up, right? I don't know how that's going to shake out, but there's going to be a lot of people for a long weekend with nothing to do ostensibly around family. There's got it. There's such an opportunity here for some movie. I'm not saying Fast and Furious, but for some movie to be, hey, here's a big release. And I don't know what that is, and I don't know why no one is talking about it, but it feels like... If it's ever going to work on VOD, that is probably a great opportunity for it to do so. Yeah, you're right. Like, totally like Hamilton. It has to be something kind of, like, wholesome, kind of familial. You know, maybe, like, a new Disney movie, a new Pixar movie. Well, if you think about, like, what's done, so Fast and Furious is done, Wonder Woman is done, 
Top Gun is done. I don't know if, I mean, Warner, I guess, could put Tenen out on VOD then, but, like, it feels like they, I don't know what they're, like, there's not a ton of huge, huge movies that are kind of floating out in the either. A movie like Top Gun, even though I feel like Top Gun is so committed to that theater experience, but it feels like there's a couple movies that, like, oh, everybody can see this. Like a PG-13 movie. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. I'm with you. I just, I don't know why nobody's, like, prognosticating that. I mean, I guess we're two and a half months out, and, like, there's so much living to be done between now. I mean, we're going to have a presidential election before then, so, like, who knows how anything is going to shake out. But I feel like that is such an opportunity, because people are like, I don't know, and by people I mean, like, studios are like, we don't know about the economic viability of whether VOD can actually get our money back. And I understand that, but if you put a thing out, and I'm not talking like Mulan, which is big to certain groups of people, but not to everyone, like, there's got to be the opportunity for something that weekend. Like a new Jurassic Park, right? Essentially. That's why you said Fast and the Furious, but obviously we think Fast and the Furious. Well, no, I'm just just saying Fast and Furious because they're, like, it it has to be something that's done. Yeah, like, it can't be a new movie that's still being worked on because, like, it's not going to be done by then. Like, there's a handful of huge movies that are just not out. That are shelved, yeah. Because yeah. you're right, like a Jurassic Park thing or like a new, like there's a new Toy Story movie. Like I'm not trying to play like the ultimate hypothetical what if. I'm like, there's a hand, there's like four or five movies that are done and, and ready done. to be seen like right now where if they're like, hey, $100, you can watch this right now. Did they finish the Marvel one that was supposed to come out like right around then? Like, you don't, is, shouldn't like the new Spider-Man or like Black Widow or something be done Black too? Widow is done. That should be it, yeah. right? Like that's on the same scale. Yeah. I forgot about that. Like, nobody's right, talking about that. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, no, Black Widow is done. Black Widow's another one right in that pile. Yeah. It feels like there's an opportunity, and I don't know if we're going to get one, but I, I hope that we do. And then if that works, then somebody can be like, okay, here's Christmas, right? Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. So You're a thousand percent right. Like, this is this is your time. This is like a 30 bucks. You got six people watching it, so that kind of sucks for the theaters, but you also got like 30 bucks, right? So... All right, Joe, the final thing to do, unless there's any other news. I don't think there's been any other news that I've seen. Uh, it's the anniversary of Paul Walker's death. He died in November. Did he? Yeah, he died. Like maybe it was his birthday then. Yeah, it was Paul Walker's birthday then. So they were like, everybody was talking about, you know, Paul Walker's birthday. His and, birthday is um, today. Ludacris' birthday was like a day or two days ago, too. Oh, today's birthday also, Joey Pants. So shout out to Midnight Run. Oh. Ludacris' birthday was, yeah, oh, he was born on 9-11. Oof, wow, yeah, okay. Any other news of, I, don't, I mean, the, the production thing, I, I still don't think that we're going to be getting anything news related. It's just going to be people like accidentally blabbing, but anything else of note? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, just Michelle Rodriguez, if you're listening, don't blab anymore. We want to be surprised. <sighs> or talk to us directly. Yeah, or yeah, or blab to us, please. <laughs> right in, family at Cage Club Tommy. <laughs> All right. The final thing to do before we take a break and bring in Nico and Kevo is to talk about the deleted scenes for Fast and Furious 6. And so as a background, there are three. It's a minute 40, which is about as short as the Fast Five scenes. There are three yeah. different scenes. There's one called Intro to CCTV, one called Han and Giselle Talk, and one called Prison Guard. And the weird thing is if you look on YouTube, someone put two of the three on YouTube together in one video, and just the yep. Prison Guard scene does not exist online. Not even no, in like some I kind of janky bootleg something or other. Nope. And so I literally filmed my TV and sent it to Joe privately so i'm not flouting piracy it does not exist online in any form it doesn't legally or illegally and it's insane it's referenced that it's like on the dvd in a couple spots if you you i couldn't find it i couldn't find it on youtube i couldn't find it on a different site i couldn't find it anywhere it just like the reference that this scene exists on the dvd if you have the dvd and i get that as in you know they want to people they want to encourage people to buy it but at the same time the fact that they allow other people to like apparently upload things online, but nobody has <laughs> uploaded this. I don't know because you were even saying like I bet because we were talking about the, the scene just vaguely because you hadn't seen it yet. Like I bet it's in yes. the extended scene. Like no, it has nothing to do with what the extended stuff is. Like it's completely separate. Like there's no reason at all for two of these to be up and one to not be up. Because I thought that it was like oh this was a scene and then the extended edition came out and somehow it got like bu- like it's in the extended edition now. So everybody was like we don't care about this anymore no it just doesn't exist just this one because i looked up for comparison the 
theatrical versus extended cuts of Fast and Furious 6. There's a 53-second difference. There's a site called Movie Censorship, which I've talked about before, that talks about the differences, the added scenes, the removed scenes, the altered scenes, the extended scenes. Half of that 53 seconds is in two different scenes. There's the scene where he's a man, like the guy that they're going to talk to, Giselle and Riley, says a couple things about them like maybe being hookers or something. Oh yeah, he says like, usually girls around here don't come unless I call the escort service. Right. There's that, yeah. and then there's part of the fight between Letty and Riley in the underground extended in the thing too. So like that's 25, I think, of the 53 seconds. And then there's like a second or two or three difference in like 20 other places. The difference between theatrical and extended for this one in particular and i think also for five is like less than a minute seven i think has some sizable differences and i don't remember offhand eight has like 20 minutes hobbs and shaw has no extended version but there's like a 35 minutes of deleted scenes so this is pretty close it seems like at least compared to earlier ones in the lap what they finished and what they at least you know released most of it just made it to the actual version we saw either one either the one in theaters or the one on blu-ray so the first scene, the intro to CCTV, this would be, I guess, immediately before the handshake scene. And this is just between Riley and Hobbs talking in the hallway about why Letty kind of maybe does or doesn't fit in the Shaw's crew. Hobbs is like, well, you know, everything to Shaw is interchangeable, which we see when, like, the one guy dies and Letty's like, he died. And he's like, I don't care. Yeah. And he's like, except Letty. And Hobbs realizes that, like, she's the key, right? Like, she's the link to the family. And that that's why she's so important to him. And I think this scene is kind of unremarkable in general. I'm glad that we watch it this lap because it feels like for the talk about Letty, it makes sense. But I think we always knew, like, we didn't know, no, but we could have assumed, we could have inferred, we did infer, she's in the crew because he knows that she's tied to Dom. And, like, especially if Braga was working for Shaw, and then Shaw gets word that, like, the Toretto crew took down Braga, like, there's now the opportunity to like bring letty into the fold like there's that element of or just like oh yeah that kind of makes sense like i don't know that it yeah. pays off i don't know that it ultimately matters but it's like yeah i guess that makes sense but still just like we just get the explanation the confirmation i mean again it's a minute 40 for the three scenes in total like i don't know that you need to cut these out but i get why this because it, it doesn't really necessarily add a ton like we know that shaw has letty because she's important to the family yeah like that's it that's we it. know that full stop like, this is just like overtly saying that and you're like okay cool which i'm sure like i do agree with you and i'm not i'm not calling you out because i basically said the same thing but like i'm sure there's a lot of scenes in these movies where like oh yeah you can remove that because like that just says the thing right like it's all the different things that we've talked about with nico and kevo like you don't need to keep saying the same line over and over again like stuff they leave in is probably as removable as this yeah this got taken out i do want to point out that we got in this scene a garen damn tea from The Rock, which I thought was pretty on-brand for him. That was good. Yeah. I liked that, too. Yeah, I noticed that, and I was like, well, thank you. That's perfect. Now, this next scene is the shortest of the three, but my absolute favorite, and, like, no joke, almost made me cry a little bit, because I was like, <laughs> we got more Han and Giselle, and I was like, oh. It's such, like, a tender moment, right? It is, and it's also a little weird, Now we'll talk about that after we talk about what it's about. But they're working on their motorcycles. This is sometime before the bridge takedown scene. Okay. Giselle says, so what did you mean by settling down? And Han says, well, I thought that's what people said to each other when they wanted to be together. And she kind of looks at him, kind of looks down, kind of looks back, and the scene cuts. It's tender, it's short, it's sweet, it's emotional, but it kind of makes Han seem like extra innocent and sweet and knowing what's about to happen to him. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, like he's so childish and sweet and angelic and baby-like. I don't know. It, feel like, it felt like he was what? so innocent and pure. And I wonder if maybe that's why they cut it. I read it as he's playing coy and asking her to be his girlfriend without overtly saying it. I agree with that. Yes, 100%. But I think it's... He's too sly for innocence, in my opinion. So I, so here, so we've talked a lot about how in Tokyo Drift, Sean and Han talk about, you know, women, and he establishes himself in Tokyo as like, I can get whoever I want, whatever I want, whenever I want, right? But I do wonder if maybe... I'm not saying, like, Han is a virgin. Maybe he hasn't had any loves of his life, and he's, like, genuinely inexperienced and shy and like really yes, wants us to that's work fair. yeah he's he's had like no serious relationships because he's like that's what i thought people say like from the movies right the reason i i said that it makes him seem so innocent and sweet like i wonder if he says that because he means that or if he's just saying that like it feels genuine genuine but it feels like almost out of character from the way that they as like the cool calm collected kind of aloof not standoffish but like just not really 
revealing his emotions. Like, he's always just the centerpiece of cool. And I just wonder why they cut this, because it's so sweet. And maybe it's too sweet. Yeah, it, it just didn't fit the, like, Han's, like, super cool. Han's so cool that Giselle would know that she's just his girlfriend. Like, he would never need to say it. But I love this. I, this is a great scene. Yeah. I agree. And then the third and final one is Prison Guard. This is the one that I had to bootleg for you. Uh, yes. This is after the fight with Braga, and as Brian is heading back to the UK, there's a guard named Smith who finds a mismatch. He finds out that Brian's in prison. He goes and runs to a cell, but Brian's already gone. Yeah, which is completely useless. I see why they cut this. Did you notice the little Easter egg in the scene? There's a NOS mm-hmm. uh, drink can behind the screen. Yep. Yeah, I did notice that. Yep. I paused and I took note of all of the of Brian's prisoner record, inmate record, or like wanted thing. So we have his date of yeah. birth, hair, P. Does it match the other stuff? Oh, I think so. Like seven fourteen seventy eight, which we have six two one ninety five. Eyes blue, of course. Hair blonde. Yep. Yeah. Agent in charge is Luke Hobbs. L Hobbs. This says. Last known location is Rio de Janeiro. They misspelled Janeiro. They left out the I. <laughs> so pretty cool. <laughs> uh, it awesome. says note: suspect armed and dangerous. Approach with extreme caution. Contact DSS before contact is made. Everything seems in line there. It's not like the, what is this Elena dossier that we're looking at in Fast Five? <laughs> Name here or whatever, there like is add a height here. PNO, which I guess is a prisoner number. It's 1248651 slash 042. Okay. I'm trying to find meaning in those numbers. I don't know if there is. No. There are other Doesn't names like on it. the screen behind Brian's name, and none of these, I don't think, have any connection to anything. There's Jason Goodman, Matt Lang, Rich Oldfield, Tom Bridges, Omar Holmes, David Jackson, Adam Blake, Mark Jordan. I wonder if they're just, you know, people who work on digital graphics, like VFX for these movies. I don't know, but I was yeah. I was hoping for, like, a little bit of an Easter egg like Braga or Campos or something, but it's just dude names so yeah kind of an underwhelming scene and extra underwhelming when i had like to the when you consider the lengths to which i had to go not that there was a lot of work but like the extra effort to show you this scene it's like oh no you like you just don't have to see this <laughs> yeah i agree it was like whatever but like i definitely see where they cut it out of the, i don't know why they would originally be like oh we need this scene you know like enough to be like okay we're gonna cast a guy he's gonna be prison guard smith Let's set it up. Let's put a monster en- or Nas energy drink behind there. I guess it feels like they want you to know that the cops are not entirely idiotic, but like you're, I think you're supposed to like you would realize. Also, it doesn't matter that they're gonna yep. catch on. Like it, do- it doesn't. It doesn't matter whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, three scenes. Intro to CCTV. Good, not needed. Haunted Giselle talk. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. Prison guard. Not even good. Don't need it. Just no. All right. <laughs> Completely useless. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> It exists. Yeah. But I added the two. They're in one video to our Fast and Furious deleted scenes playlist on YouTube, youtube.com slash too fast too forever. If you have if you can find the time of your schedule for a minute and ten seconds to check this out, go over there. Really you just need like the fifteen seconds, twelve, fifteen seconds, whatever it is, of Han and Giselle, because that's the one where it's just like, Oh, we get more. Like I never thought we would get more, we get more. So you know, this is the last opportunity for more Han and Giselle because it's the last movie they're in together until hopefully, hopefully future movies. But who knows? Who knows? Any other thoughts about these deleted scenes or anything else you want to talk about before we take a break and bring in Nico and Kevo? Uh, no, no, I'm pretty good. Cool. Well, let's take a break and let's hear another word from Burberry Memories and talk to Nico and Kevo about Fast and Furious 6. number 126 also the fast and the furious six this episode is brought to you by burberry's fall winter 20 runway titled memories take a look at burberry's ode to british heritage and its memories fall winter 20 collection in the gallery or keep an eye out for its release at burberry stories stores worldwide now thank you burberry and welcome back to the show welcome back to fast and furious six with us again we are halfway through the lap kind of sort of a little bit although not really we used to do nine episodes a lap it was eight episodes eight movies plus the tune-up relap recap this lap 
as it stands right now, is going to have 48 episodes. <laughs> we are one third of the way through, as opposed to being like three quarters of the way through the lap, because we have re- we've moved things around. We have added things. We've added more things. We've added pit stops. We went twice a week. It feels like we're nearing the end with Fast and Furious 6, but we are so much closer to the beginning than the end, and I don't know how that happened. With us today, to continue this journey, the co-hosts of HTML Husbands Talking More or Less, Kevo Reese and Nico Vasillo. Hello, guys. Hey, what's up? That's me. It's Nico. Hello. <laughs> Nico, wreck your ding-dong, Vasillo. That's me. Welcome back to the show, Fast and Furious 6. I want to know all your thoughts about it, but before we yeah. get into it, we have some either-or questions. Let's see what's on. Let's see what's on the. Let's see what's on the docket for today. Okay, I think we just have one. We have one today. So we are the four of us are pulling a job. We have an idea to take down, like in the last movie, we're going to steal a whole bunch of money from a safe in Rio or a police station in Rio. In this one, we're going to hit a convoy. Whatever we're doing, we're doing it to the best of our abilities. I love pull jobs. Are you in the field with us as a racer? Are you out there doing the thing? Or are you a designer with us back in HQ? Are you the man in the chair? Just like how Peter Parker has Ned, are you with us? Are you the proverbial man in the chair? Racer or designer? Kevo, go first. Are you a racer or are you a designer? Chair. Okay. Yeah. No question. <laughs> I mean, there's no more direct answer to, like, Kevo, BTS, Reese than designer, right? So, yes. Yeah. yeah. You've established yourself basically on the network as, like, our research guy, like, our best research guy, and so I think it makes sense Aww. for you to be in the chair. Nico? I almost don't have to ask, but I also don't know. Vroom vroom. Yeah. Uh, Vroom vroom. He wouldn't be one of the lead drivers. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I love throwing myself into danger head first, and then, like, anxiety takes over once I'm, like, halfway into the stupid idea. I'm always like, yeah, let's bungee jump. Yeah, let's explode out of a moving car. Yeah, let's set ourselves on fire and then cover ourselves in dry ice and see what happens. Like, I'm always really about it, and then I do it, and then I a little bit regret it, but then I have to kind of see it through, right? Like, we recently went to Six Flags. Wait, recently as in, like, in these times or before these times? As recently as is humanly possible that we could have done something in public. So, like, October? November? (laughs) Yeah, it was October because it was toward the end of- A year ago. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. Time is a lemon skit, and it oh, just I've started saying around. on this podcast time units because I don't know if things are months or weeks ago. I just say time units, and like it just it yep. is what it is. Time is a lemon biscuit, anyway. So, yes, yeah. Three lemon biscuits ago, it's the Jeremy Baramy of it all. It really is. We went to the Six Flags here in Jersey. Great adventure. I'm a big coaster guy. I knew I didn't feel well. Like, when I got to the park, like, I knew I hadn't felt well all morning. And I'm so excited. I just don't care. No matter what, I am going on Superman because I've never gone on it. It's going to be my first flying coaster. And I'm really excited. Like, I'm like a weirdo who likes to watch coaster videos. Like, I watch theme park videos and coaster videos. As we're getting lifted into position... I'm immediately like, I have already made a bad decision. I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) We haven't even started moving yet, but once they moved my legs to parallel to my head, I was like, oh, oh no, I've miscounted this. Then it starts, and it doesn't start in any significant way that's awful, but I was immediately aware I was going to vomit in the next couple of minutes, and I managed to make it to the car. About halfway home, and then was not even halfway home. We weren't even on the turnpike yet. And I was just like, fuck! And I just pulled off, and I shared my DNA with a lovely street in Jackson, New Jersey. (laughs) Held my head in the back seat going, on the ride home. And point of the story is, yes, I would be one of the drivers. It's just... At what point would I soil myself and would I be able to complete the task at hand? I'm very brave. I just have terrible vertigo. Okay. Makes sense. Important. I mean, it's important to know your limitations. Get you some Dramamine and you can be right in the front. We'll be okay. Yeah. Part of the vertigo is related to an injury that's almost done healing. And I've been so excited because this was going to be my summer of coasters. And I was going to do every fucking coaster. I have this dream about going to a theme park called Holiday World. Like, that's not meant like, like, oh, it's a dream. Like, this isn't what dreams may come starring Robin Williams. Like, I literally mean there's a theme park called Holiday World and their mascot is Holodog. I love Holodog. I love Holodog. And, like, if you get your two-day pass, it comes with unlimited Pepsi refills. Coke. Coke Coke products. Coke, right. Thank you. 
uh, our friends that live out in the Indiana area, like, will testify. It's one of the most famous parks in the world for having some of the best coasters of all time. It actually might be Pepsi. I'm not sure. Like, I'm a super-duper coaster junkie, and my dream was to spend this whole summer doing coasters because my injury finally healed, and, like, I'm not going to suffer the severe vertigo anymore. And thanks, COVID. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that you are tied atop the leaderboard with zero coasters. You're, you're not out-coasted <laughs> by anybody this summer. Class half full, baby. No, no, there's definitely places I'm sure that there's, Oh, like... yeah, I'm sure, too. But let's, let's, not, let's pretend that they don't happen. <laughs> okay. Because I just imagine one sneeze at the top of a really big coaster, and it's just, just all over. dousing an entire theme park in COVID. Oh. Super, super cool. Did you guys like this movie? Well, I need to address two things. Number one, what? I very much liked this movie. Okay. And number two, I have been making a lot of, you guys met Letty, meet Righty. And then Kevo's like, you're making your joke again. But did you catch her name? I was like, I turned to him and I was like, do you realize what Cara Dune's name is in this? You keep saying Letty meets Righty. Her name is Riley. Yeah. So it actually kind of is. Lefty yeah. took out Righty. Yeah, so their battle was fisticuffs. Oh, so you yeah. called her by her Mandalorian name. I was like, what What name are you calling her? Yes, okay. Yeah, I forget what the actor's name well, is. Yeah, because Gina they're Cara Dune, I believe you, because they're definitely Cara Dune and Wonder Woman. Well, yeah. so here's the thing. So Joe keeps calling her fake Ronda Rousey, which I think I have maybe... I've, I've, You've gotten I, I rid of it. I haven't abolished it, but I've been I've been working to abolish it because, like, as an actor, she is light years ab- ahead of Ronda Rousey, which I don't want to spoil. Oh, yeah. anything, and like, we're... no mini spoiler, but Ronda Rousey's in the next one. She like well, not the next like... one we're gonna see, but she's in seven. Yeah, she's in seven. They, like, and it was like a big thing. Like, you know, yeah. Ronda Rousey's gonna be in the next one, and everybody knew this. So I just want to dial into this whole time dilation issue we're having. Uh, the guy who brought me to this beautiful network, a gentleman by the name of Chris Podcasts, and before he made the transition to Chris Podcasts, he was Chris Analog Tape. And so when we were growing up and he was still Chris Analog Tape, we might have dropped some salvia right before my wedding or whatever. And I drifted to a 20 year in the future where I was like about 42 years old, 1980s, that I was convinced was like a businessman future past, right? And we were all businessmen. So this is significant because that's how I keep feeling about, oh, the next movie is three movies ago, followed by seven. So, like, the next movie that we're going to watch is the movie after the movie we were supposed to watch four movies ago it's in the, the future. the fake future past. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. all very, I can't wait for Buck Rogers in 50 years ago. It's all very much. But, I mean, as an X-Men fan, you should be used to this by now. One of the things that I think this franchise benefits from, comics have long taken the brunt of the cost of the reboot on themselves in a way that allows the comic reboot to be silly. Okay, we're still making our way through our Melrose Place rewatch, and I can't stop comparing Melrose Place to Twin Peaks in a lot of very serious ways. The apartment complex is corruptive in a way that, like, people's spirits are kind of trapped there and people die there. You know, it's not actual magic, but, like, you literally see normal people's lives completely ripped apart the minute they interact with the complex, and then suddenly it turns out they were always evil all along. Melrose Place does these ridiculous, silly things, and it's easy to point at them and laugh. When Lost does them 15 years later, no one's pointing at it and laughing. Everybody's saying, oh, look how this dramatic thing did a reveal about how this person was secretly a con person, and it's all interconnected. (laughs) One of the things that lost is is a soap opera parallel because soap operas frequently fell on that sword so that lost didn't have to when we think about comic reboots and the way people constantly die in comics just to get brought back i really appreciate that comics figured out how to make this sort of transition from type of franchise to type of franchise a little bit smoother some of the reset elements in the fast furious franchise are fucking ridiculous (laughs) suddenly amnesia Yeah, anything that tries to start at a level of semi-realism and introduces, I have amnesia, so I became a bad guy, (laughs) is automatically, like, that's my first to start. Pretty much, if your threshold for suspension of disbelief is, would Barnabas Collins have allowed it? You're immediately starting at a severe deficit. Yeah. That's that's the lead character in Dark Shadows. Important. Thank you. Well, because it's a soap opera. Here is the big issue that I had, and I, want, I still want to get to our Clutch Letty moment. Now that we have a name, I'm more excited about it than ever. But focusing on different elements 
each lap has given me the ability to focus. Like, one would think that you could watch an entire movie and just understand all of it, but, like, that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot going on in these movies. I've seen Mulholland Drive four times, and I might as well have never seen it. There is a list of, like, 10 or 12 things, like, hints that David Lynch has given. They're like, he's like, the whole movie is explained before the opening credits. I'm like, all, all that's before the opening credits is two old people dancing. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's not exaggerate. Like that's literally like it just. Okay. I believe it. Yeah. Oh, I All believe right. that too. So one of the newest people to join our show, a guy, amazing guy, Josh Wheel. He's like, I've tried to like David Lynch. I don't get it. I spent ten years being convinced that Mulholland Drive was David Lynch punking everyone who ever thought they understood him, and then I found <laughs> out it actually has a meaning, and I was so mind blown. I didn't know how to react to it. I was like, Yeah, that's Mulholland Drive. I one time said to myself, if you think about Mulholland Drive as a manga version of Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, it it's almost okay. Like, you can almost sleep at night. And no matter what, it's a brilliant film, but you can almost sleep at night. Mulholland Drive is a manga version of Firewalk with me? Yeah, if you just pretend that, you can make it make sense in your brain almost. Well, I, I haven't think, seen it, so I can't. I think Mulholland Drive, and that. I still can't wait to be a guest on Lynch.html. You owe me back for all of this bullshit with Rap Battle and Fantastic Four that I'm doing. Just putting that out hey, there. Hey, Rap sorry. Battle was amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I think Mulholland Drive is a lot more simple than people think, but that's neither here nor there. So anyway, my point here, and it brings back to Amnesia. It's still in that ballpark. We might do Mulholland Drive this lap. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think I don't think that Joe is going to enjoy that experience. Two and a half hour. Don't think that's for us. Wait, why? Why? How could you do it? Oh, now that you know. So this lap's theme is not only Michelle Rodriguez, but it's also movies about memory loss. Oh, yeah, well, amnesia. if you guys do, if you guys do choose to do Mulholland Drive, I would love for Kevo and I to be a part of that because Kevo's never seen it and I haven't seen it since we got married. I still want to do lynch.html, but again, or, or the lodge. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Anyway, 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 <laughs> bringing it back here. So re-amnesia. There is a very weird thing this movie does in terms of like framing Letty as a blank page. This girl has a gift. She's a blank page that yeah. they are lauding they are championing they're putting on a pedestal the fact that she is a fully formed woman but does not have memories and it's like is that the ideal because the way they're describing it makes it seem like bro she's the ideal woman she doesn't remember a goddamn thing it's like wait what that's not shaw goes to kill her and then is like oh she has no memory she's one of us now it's like where how does i don't understand that element part of his evilness is that part of is that Ooh. like supposed to do you think be part of why we're supposed to be like man he's so disgusting i that's the only thing that i could think of because yeah that also stood out to me as really weird but you know when it comes to bad guys i also don't always pin a ton of emphasis on understanding their motives especially okay. when they're just like straight up evil and they did kind of try to emphasize that with Shaw during the highway chase where he's taking out civilians yes yeah and I do want to say there is another moment there might be more I might have missed them but there's the other moment where Brian goes back to prison to meet with Braga from four and Braga says perfect girl huh and I'm like well what? it's like it's like the, I it's, caught that too. I think it's the perfect assassin thing. Like they're evil bad guys. She has all the skill set to be a criminal, but she also has no emotional baggage. She has nothing to like live for anymore, right? So I think that that's what they're getting at. It is still really weird, but I think that that's what they're like trying to convey i'm also not sure i understand psychologically how all of it works that she still knows how to drive cars real good but doesn't remember anything and again it's part of the soap element that they've introduced that i'm like okay i'm not i'm not poking it too hard because this is probably the (laughs) most that i've liked letty there's also the element that i never really pieced together until this time where there's the scene which Kara pointed out lots of flaws in but there's a scene that after Dom and Letty race and we'll talk about all this again later but after they race and they're they're comparing scars in my mind I'm like okay so Letty wakes up with no memory and then she like looks over and memorizes her entire body's worth of scars because she's like well how about this one how about this one how about this one it's not like like she knows she has a history of all the scars without any meaning attached like it's a weird like I get what it's doing narratively in the scene yeah but just functionally thinking about what that actually is 
it's like, oh, that's a little weird. Okay, so I, I wasn't not paying attention, but when you said that one of the themes of this lap is memory loss, I got stuck on Memento in my head. Well, we covered that already. Well, but then I thought to myself, what if he could only remember when he drank wine and you could call it Fermento? <laughs> All right, so Kevo, what about you? <laughs> well, no, I have to talk about the thing. Or martinis, and it's pimento. I love it. That's the sequel. Yes. Memento, pimento, and fermento. <laughs> Schlemiel, schlamazel. I'm really blown away to learn the theme being memory loss. I'll be honest, I very frequently do enough backstory research that I spoil a lot of things for myself on these things. And I really didn't know that that was going to be the twist with Letty's reintroduction. Really? I really didn't. I had no idea if she was going to be evil and turns back. I didn't know until we started watching the movie that uh, she had amnesia. I, I knew when we started the movie, so I'll be honest about that. And I think that that helped me both understand what was happening and be more at ease with the story point because I feel like it was a little confusing for a little while that yeah. that was what happened to her. But yeah, I think knowing a little bit in advance probably made it easier to digest for me. The thing with these movies are is they use a lot of common tropes. And, you know, we, we get nervous watching these with you guys because they're so prevalent and it's hard to avoid things. But I think that at this point, they've started like overlapping and intermixing all the tropes with like the same characters or different characters and then back back and forth and again and over and under we're getting to the point where it's so convoluted that when you're watching it like even if you know something's gonna happen you're gonna be like oh it, it's this and then that like instead of this and this and this and you're like oh as you would not be surprised to know we have described it as a soap opera many many times yeah. and like you have seen honestly the least soap opera elements of all yeah like, we, like <laughs> the amnesia is like the basically the kickoff to like every major like how is that person back or like oh who's that person like all of that is coming like amnesia is the start of that yeah it's the very basis the very very bottom of the barrel like we haven't even gotten into like the wild tropes yet Uh, i think one of the things though that is actually deeply problematic about it by erasing the only woman whose agency within the group was from that side of the fight right so gal gadot's character giselle has a bit more of an outsider perspective. Yeah. Even if you factor in that Mia is a part of the gang, she's still the one who makes the brownies. Yes. By removing Letty, the only woman who had, for lack of a better term, authentic street credibility from the equation, by erasing that from her, you are taking a character who was very clearly a woman who was able to function coded male and you're transforming her into a more feminine object. Mm. She is now the romantic object of Dom, and it's all about how his love can break through to her. And, you know, not to feminist theory or anything, but it's that whole idea that virginity is this construct that changes you, and that once a man has had sex with you or at you or to you or whatever straight people do, <laughs> it's... Like, you're changed now, you're different, you're deflowered, whatever. Only his love can penetrate her darkness. And I think reintroducing Letty with all of that in juxtaposition to what happens to Giselle in this movie kind of does make it worse in that regard. So I'm glad you brought her up in that context. I'm glad that you brought that up because this is the first time, because we had been talking about her being coded male. We're covering Michelle Rodriguez this lap. And this is the first time I noticed how feminine they tried to make her in this movie, especially like near the end where she's like, her hair is done really nice and she's like fully made up and she's like, like looking good at the barbecue. Right. And like, and yeah, she's already whole... back to sitting in Dom's lap. Kittenishly. Yes. Yeah. Which is, like, not very Letty things to do, right? Like, it's, it seems strange, but yeah, it was the first time I was thinking about it, and that's crazy you guys brought it up before. Like, that's that's only thing I was thinking about when I was watching it this time. Just to spin things around to the silly side for two seconds, she survived because the shoddy shift allowed her oh. to shift survive that explosion. It was like a car shift, the way she's able to make moves no one can make. Her body slipped out of the way using the kinetic (laughs) explosion, and that's why she flies at that real stupid somebody tossed a sex doll out of a truck angle. I mean, 
this every movie that we are watching is more and more underlining this they have superpowers ideal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, again, again, I will say what I said a little bit ago. You ain't seen nothing yet. The ways that Dom uses his body as a weapon and a projectile, and the way that they use that mountain man's body as a weapon, like, <laughs> no, they're just superheroes, and that's okay. It just started. We're just turning the, the corner here, though. Well, and that was something that Kevo said that made me feel better in his course of research. As we're watching the movies, I'm like, okay, but for the record, this has nothing to do with the first movie. And Kevo was like... And now we have receipts. Yeah. In what way? How do you mean? While I was doing a bit of my research for this episode, I found some quotes from Universal Chairman Adam Fogelson, who spoke back in 2011 about how this was a specific purposeful shift in the narrative from a street racing action franchise into more of a series of heist films with car chases in the vein of The Italian Job and The French Connection. He said that about this one or five? Uh, five, but okay. it's part of the backstory. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I just found it interesting. If you talk to people, like I, when I saw, like I, at South by Southwest, The Year of Furious 7 came out, I went to like a premiere just because they, they were just doing a premiere at South by, so I went there. And I remember talking to this kid online ahead of me. He was saying about how disappointed he was in the franchise because the first three he thought were good, but four, five, and six he would he didn't really connect with. And I was thinking like, oh no, five and six are like the best by a mile. And I didn't have the nostalgia that he did, but he was. And I think there's a whole wide array of fans. We talked about this on here too of the of the franchise who love the car elements. But I think there is a bigger untapped market in the action movie thing, especially in a world where Iron Man has happened and we are taking off on the MCU and they are building this thing and it's becoming a billion dollar enterprise. So I think we've talked about on here with you guys before, I think that like four kind of pivots in a way, but five and six really accelerate toward being action movies that feature cars as opposed to car movies that feature action. So yeah. we're right there with you, Kevo, like 100% in full agreement. But Kevo, what did you think of this movie overall? I really enjoyed like 80% of it. The issues that we brought up with Letty, I liked her more in this film than previous ones, which is very in character for me when it comes to caustic characters who get some amount of memory loss and it makes them a little bit less snarky. I'm really upset about the Giselle thing. I didn't know that until this movie happened. I'm sure some amount of the decision had to do with knowing what was going to happen with Han for seven now that we know that Han is coming back in some way for like nine or whatever, <laughs> now I'm like, all right, but is is Giselle still dead though? I mean, it's the Game of Thrones theory. We haven't seen a body, so. I also wonder if she was like, guys, look, I'm getting Wonder Woman now, so I got a Gal Gadot. Yeah, and that is an element as well. I think that's exactly what happened. That's because it's like, this is what we always surmises like she did this and then it's like oh you can do wonder woman instead and she's like okay sorry guys i'm out and they but a woman me. doesn't have to die just because she got a better job i do think that in a certain way i don't want to say that she owes this franchise but i can absolutely see her coming back because a why wouldn't you want to return if you could but b literally her first movie was fast and furious number four i think she always would have broken through no matter what role she was cast in but i think to establish her in this role as an action star, as someone capable of doing this type of movie, this type of role, I can see her being like, yeah, I'll give you, like, whether or not she's going to be the, like, a, a main ensemble in a future movie, I don't know, but I can absolutely see her coming back because this helped establish her as, like, Gal Gadot future superhero. I'm now hoping that maybe they allowed for the Han leaks for Nine to hide potential cameo from her. We'll talk about that more, because, like, when we do our tune-up like basically after we do all the movies and we kind of say goodbye to you officially we're going to watch the trailer with you there are reveals in the trailer including han and i still don't want to talk more about it because i 